Last week we talked about how we see Jesus uh, at the table. Jesus at the table. So we talked about the bread. We talked about the cup. We talked about how Jesus on the last supper before he went to the cross demonstrated that he's the champion at the table. We talked about how he took us from the old covenant, which was a covenant of law, a covenant of works, a covenant of performance. If you did enough, if you brought your sacrifice to the temple, if you observed holidays and rituals and festivals, if you did enough religion, then, then God would perhaps have mercy on you. And praise God that Jesus steps in and institutes a new covenant. Amen. And he says that new covenant is now found in my blood as he raised up the cup. And he said, as often as you come together and as, as often as you remember this, do this in remembrance of me. And we talked about communion in the Lord's Supper. Now, Jesus is a champion at the table on that last supper, but we move from there into a new scene, and let me highlight this next icon here, and the title of today's message is Champion on a Donkey, Champion on a Donkey. I tried to find something more compelling than that, and that's what came to me, all right? That was as creative as I got for this sermon, Champion on a Donkey. As we see Jesus make his way into the scene on the first ever Palm Sunday. We find champion on a donkey. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. That's where we're going to plant our feet today. That's where we're going to really dig into Matthew chapter 21. What's neat about the Palm Sunday moment is that you'll find Palm Sunday in Matthew 21. You'll find it in Mark chapter 11. You'll find it toward the end of Luke's gospel in chapter 21. You'll find it in the gospel of John in John chapter 12. You'll find these different Palm Sunday narratives, and you'll find Jesus, the champion on the donkey, coming in in victorious fashion. I want us to try to put ourselves in the scene. Can we do that? I'm glad. We got one, all right? Can anybody else jump into the scene with us? Come on. This sermon is not a monologue. This is a dialogue. I need y'all to give me something here today. This is the 11 o'clock service. You already had your coffee, okay? Come on, we're going to jump in. We're going to lean in. There's no football game coming up, right? We got time today. We got time to go into Palm Sunday. We even brought some of our own little palm trees. Shout out to Culture Night. Said We need to bring those back for one weekend. Sheep. Woo. And I want us to try to, if you could just, jump into Matthew 21 and be in the crowd and see yourself there. And that's what I, where I want us to read today. If you need a Bible, put your hand in the air like you just do care because we'll walk you one down right now and we want to get you a copy of God's Word. And if you got a phone, log on to Matthew 21. If not, we got the screen. Here we go. We need a Bible just in the front. If we can bring somebody a copy of God's Word right now would be great. So we're right here in the front. Matthew 21, here we go. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem... And came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey. Tied in a colt with her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Verse 4, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse 6, The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and the crowds went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Come on, just say that right there. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Say it one more time. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? I want you to just go ahead and put yourself there. I will just tap the person next to you and say, Who is this? 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 Who? Come on, type it in the chat right now. Who is this? This is what the city was saying. Let me highlight that for a second. Jesus enters into Jerusalem. There's even some that are there that are ready. They got their palm branches out. They spread their cloaks on the ground. And, and the, the overarching buzz in the room is saying, what's going on right now? Who is this? The whole city was was stirred up. I, I had a moment like this this past weekend. Pastor Mike and I, we were blessed to go to the Golden State Warriors-Lakers game on uh, Saturday, or, or uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what day we're at today. It's Sunday, okay. So that was Friday. And so we were at the game, um, but before that, we were just kind of walking around San Francisco, seeing some different Sites and we're just walking down the street, and all of a sudden there's this like buzz that's blocking the street. And on one side of the area, the left side, there's a bunch of people there with their phones out, and on the other side is a bunch of people there with pens and their phone out. And we have to like kind of awkwardly walk through this thing. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm trying to go through all that right now. And so I lean over to somebody, I said, Hey, what are we doing? <laughs> What's going on? They said, Oh, the Lakers are getting ready to get on the bus, they're getting ready to go to the game. And so we all just kind of stood there awkwardly, and then I was like, I ain't waiting for this. Let's just keep going, right? Um, but that was the scene. I was like, who is this? What are we doing? That, that was this scene. That there was a, people on the left side, people on the right side. Some people had their branches out. Some people had their, uh, they were ready to shout. Some people said, ooh, I want to put my, my coat down on the ground because something's about to happen. And this other kind of question mark, what, what are we doing here? Who is this as the champion comes in on the donkey? I want to try to answer this question in the sermon. As the people were stirred up, they had this perplexed response. And what I believe is in this Palm Sunday moment, Jesus answers this question in three specific ways. As I've studied this text, I found that Jesus gives us the answer to this deep question. Who, who is this in in, in three very specific ways. In fact, in three very prophetic ways. That all three of Jesus' announcements in this text are, are, are also linked to the Old Testament in very clear ways. And so it's important that you know this because even this question is prophetic. Even the very fact that the people are there stirred up saying, who is this, links us back to Psalm 24 in verse 8. As we just Saying this is Drea led us in king of glory. If we have that verse, I want to even put it up on the screen. Psalm 24, verse 8. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. The response is right there. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? This is the prophetic 
revelation of Psalm 24, five to six to 700 years earlier. Now Jesus is there on this donkey. This champion is coming in. The people are living out the verse. They don't even know it. Who is this king of glory? And David is responding. He's saying, oh, this is the Lord. He's mighty in battle. This is, lift up your gates. Palm Sunday, lift up your heads. Walk church, lift up your hearts and eyes so that you can see him. Be careful that you don't miss him. He rides by and you're like, I wonder who that was. That was him. We, we go ahead and we join with the people and we say, who is this? Well, Jesus has three answers, okay? If you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Come on, right now before we eat, as we eat, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to your word right now. Deposit something in us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us to see who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Point number one, Jesus is revealing that he's the king. Palm Sunday is the moment that Jesus triumphantly declares, I'm the king. It's important that you know that because there's so many moments throughout the Bible, specifically the New Testament, where they try to make Jesus the king. And Jesus, he always has this response. You know what he says? It's not my time yet. He'll say, it's not my hour. The hour has not come. They wanted to make Jesus king when he made the water into wine, right? Some of y'all were like, yeah, I like that. I like that king. I'd like to make him my king, right? They wanted to make Jesus the king when he turned the bread in the Happy Meal, two fish and five pieces of bread, right? 5,000 plus, right? They're like, king, king alert, when Jesus walked on water, right? When he rose Lazarus from the dead, Can you just become king already? And Jesus continues to just say, hey, it's not my time. The hour has not come. What hour is he talking about? This moment right here. We're now at the moment where Jesus is declaring, I am the king. It's important that you catch it. Matthew 21, verse 5. Here's why. This is in the text. It's revealed. This took place. Palm Sunday took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. The prophet is named Zechariah. Zechariah doesn't have too many highlights in the Bible, but this is a big one. Zechariah speaks of this. He says, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, everybody say behold, behold, Behold. as the theologian Nate Dogg used to say, hold up. Hey, my unsaved hip-hop days, hold up. The, the word behold means wake up, hold up, pump the brakes, don't move too quick. Behold, everybody say behold. Behold, behold. he says, behold, your king is coming to you. Can I highlight that for a second? Behold, your king is coming to you. The, pro- the prophecy of Zechariah so many years before would talk about one day this king would come to you, Jerusalem. And he would come and he would be your king. And here how he, here's how he comes. He comes humble and he's mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a beast of burden. Let's look at Zechariah. Come on, let's just, let's just, let's just link back. Come on, you got to reach back into the Old Testament. I want to even challenge you, Walk Church, and those who are with us here today and online. Have a healthy appetite of the Old and the New Testament. I promise you, you'll, you won't understand the new until you've gotten familiar with the old. The, the left side of your Bible is equally as powerful as the right side. 
the left side of the Bible is pointing, right, to a Savior. But this Savior is pointing back to what God had said about him. Zechariah 9.9 says, rejoice greatly. Oh, I I think we should get a little bit more excited during worship. Like, I I love that first song we sang, I thank God. I just felt led to just kind of start bouncing a little bit. And then that kind of whisper in your head, what are other people going to think? Just go ahead and blow that whisper up. Right? Because Zechariah tells us that not only should we rejoice, we should rejoice greatly. (laughs) Come on, Joe, right? We should rejoice greatly. We should get pumped up about King Jesus. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Jerusalem, hear this. He says, you should start shouting. Come on, we got to get a little bit more explicit and free in church. I think sometimes we're like so dignified and... You know, not that I'm against dignity, but we're just so like, I'm so proper. Like Pastor Mike and I, we went inside of a a 200-year-old Catholic uh, cathedral while we were in San Francisco, and we got a chance to just, and I was like, we're we're whispering. (laughs) Are you whispering? This is a cool stained wall, you know? It It was very beautiful, but I don't know if that was the vision for what God had for his church, that we should... Rejoice greatly, we should even shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. What type of king is he? Oh, he's a righteous king. He does things the right way at the right time. And he has salvation. He's coming to save. He's humble. And he's mounted on a donkey, on a colt. Now, this is really informative And at the same time, it should leave you a little bit questioning because the proper animal that the king would ride in on was not a donkey. The animal that the king would make his entrance in would be a stallion. In fact, a white horse, a white stallion. And so they were thinking, are you sure this is king? Right now, if they knew the prophecy, it was clear. But they were thinking, hey, Jesus, we want to make you king because we're kind of tired of this guy, Herod. We're tired of Pontius Pilate. We're tired of the Roman regime and the government enslaving us and taking over our people and charging us these heavy taxes. Jesus, take over. And so they thought he'll come in on the horse. What's crazy is they weren't wrong. In in one sense, Jesus, right, he will come back. And he will come on the white horse. And he'll have a sword in his hand. And he's coming to, to, to take over and to reign. Come on, sometimes people are like, is there animals in heaven? Oh, yeah. Where's the horse come from? Right? Like, yeah. Right? Jesus comes back on the white horse in Revelation. He does. Sword in his, I even think the scripture says the sword's in his mouth. That's bizarre imagery, but ask Pastor Mike about that in the email, all right? But, but, but see, what they didn't realize is they jumped over the the, the prophetic prophecy that Jesus was coming to heal hearts before he came to heal hands. Right? Jesus is like, I'm not coming over to take over by force. I'm coming over here to take over with love. Yeah. I, I want to I save you spiritually, which is going to cost me my life yeah. on the cross. Right. One day I'll come back to rule and reign and I'll throw the enemy in prison for a thousand years. Like Jesus is in control. He's a big God. Amen. But first, he needs to come deal with our sin problem that we have toward a holy and righteous God. 
And so Jesus doesn't come in on the horse, he comes in on the donkey. I love how Dr. Tony Morita says it in his commentary. Tony Morita was with us for our Deepen Conference. He says in, in his commentary on Matthew, he says, the choice of the donkey reveals this king will achieve his victory through humility. The salvation he secures will come through meekness. He doesn't come to destroy other nations, but to proclaim peace to the nation. The, the animal, the, the donkey, was a, a symbol of, I'm not coming for war. I'm coming for peace. I'm coming to make things right with you. And Jesus is the champion on a donkey. Yeah. Jesus is the capital K king of glory. Who is this king of glory? He's on a donkey. So on one hand, you should be like, wow. On the other hand, you say, who is this? This is Jesus, amen? Let me tell you the second thing he reveals about himself. To answer that, who is this question? Jesus is not only king, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is declaring on Palm Sunday, he's Jesus the Messiah. Come on, let's go back. Matthew 21, verse 9. The crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's where we get that language from. That's where we sing that song we just sang. Hosanna to the son of David. But if I could just highlight this phrase for a moment, it's important that you recognize and not rush past the fact that the author attributes Jesus to be the one who is the son of David. Once again, you might be thinking, oh, David, he's so 1 Samuel <laughs> to, the, to the Bible geeks in the room, okay? But, oh, you know what? David is part of this story. The son of David would be the one who would become the Messiah. Or maybe you're familiar more so with the phrase Christ. It's interesting. Before you get Matthew 21, you got to go through Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Look at this first verse in the gospel. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, does anybody know what the word Christ means? Zero. All right, good. Here we go. Let me help. Come on. Come on. We're learning here today. I thought somebody was going to say, that's his last name, right? <laughs> For the first few years of my Christianity, I, I, I thought that Christ was Jesus' last name. I would have shouted that one out. I usually would shout stuff out and get it wrong, right? J Jesus Christ. The word Christ, the Greek word, it, it translates to the Hebrew word, Mashua. Mashuach. Did I say it right, Andrew? It was decent? Close enough. All right. Right? Which translates to our word that we know of as Messiah. So every time you say Jesus Christ, what you're saying is Jesus the Messiah. Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. Christ is the pronouncement of he is the anointed one come from heaven to become the Messiah, the, the Savior, the one who would save people. Yeshua, Savior, Christ, Messiah, the name of Jesus is powerful. Amen. Jesus the Messiah, the the son of David, the son of Abraham. So, so long before Mary and Joseph got together, long before the angel, Merry Christmas, amen, like this, this, this powerful Christmas story, Jesus comes to life, right? Before all of that, you find Abraham, you find David, and, 
and God declared that he would send the Messiah, the Christ, through the genealogy of David. And so when people say, that's the son of David, they're saying, that's the Messiah. And it's so important that you catch that because the Messiah was coming to change the game. The Messiah was coming to not just be king of all, but he was coming as the one who was going to save all. Right? So it's, it's nice to know Jesus is king because that means Jesus is in control. But come on, I don't just need a king who's in control, who's dominant. I need a king who's also with me on the ground and knows my struggles and knows my sin and has the power to save me from myself. I love what the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11 teaches us about the son of David. Isaiah 11, let's look at verses 1 through 5 from the NLT. It says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a capital B branch bearing fruit from the old root. That was a rhyme. And the Spirit of the Lord, capital S, will rest on him. Think about Jesus' baptism. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the capital L-O-R-D, Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. Amen? This is him. The earth will shake at the force of his word And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Who is this king of glory? Amen. Come on. This is Jesus. Isaiah, many years in the past, was declaring that there would be a shoot. Come on. Look at verse 1 with me one more time. Isaiah 11.1. The stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch. I wonder if all the audience of Isaiah was like, who is this? And Jesus on Palm Sunday says, it's me. In fact, there's a moment early on in the Gospels where you see grown-up Jesus start to declare his Messiahship. Not necessarily his kingship, but he's demonstrating his Messiahship. And there's a moment where Jesus walks into the synagogue. He steps up to the front and everybody's watching like, whoa, can you do that? He opens up the scroll He reads Isaiah 11, rolls back up the scroll, and goes and sits down. In other words, Jesus said, I am the sermon. Come on, I'm the fulfillment, bro. I I am Isaiah 11 in the flesh. No commentary needed. And everybody, it says, and everybody looked at him and marveled. What? Could this be him I don't know. Let's see if he rides in on a donkey and lives out the prophecies of Zechariah 9.9 and Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 5. Oh, Isaiah 11. Read that whole entire chapter to see a view of Jesus and his Messiahship, not just here on earth, but in heaven. Beautiful picture. Jesus is the Messiah. We see that on display. He, He is the anointed one come from heaven sent on mission to save his people. And my prayer is that you would know Jesus in, in, in two ways at this point in the sermon. You'd know him as your king, 
and you would worship him as king. And you would also know him as your Messiah, your Savior. To, to say Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, is a, a big pronouncement. And that's who he is. Let me give you the third. Everybody say third. third. Come on, let me give you the third thing that Jesus reveals. He reveals that he's the Lord. Right, on this first ever Palm Sunday, Jesus reveals, oh, oh I am king. Zechariah 9.9 talked about me. He says, I'm also the one that came from David. I'm the better David. I'm the David that didn't fail the test. Right, David had a lot of blood on his hands, a lot of sexual sin in his past. He had a whole lot of kids with a whole lot of baby mamas. David was, David was big tripping, all right? He, he, had, he had struggle, but he was also a man after God's heart. David, on one hand, right, had a lot of sin in his life, but he also had a lot of repentance in his life. Yeah, that's right. And I think because he, had, he, he, he was great at repentance, he, he was great at coming back. Oh, Lord, restore to me the joy of your son. Oh, Lord, do it again, Lord. Rest, re, give me a pure heart this time. Cleanse me. Make me right again. David had a heart for God. Yep. He's a lot like us, amen? Yeah. Right? David had that. So, so it's, it's like God to identify David and say, I'm going to send the Messiah through you. But here he demonstrates that not only is he Messiah and King, but he's also Lord. Matthew 21, verse 9. Let's look at that same passage one more time. The crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna. Now, this phrase, Hosanna, is interesting because my study of the word Hosanna has shown that Hosanna wasn't a name for God. It was more of a cry. It was more of a plea. To shout Hosanna was a shout of praise and plea at the same time. It was, oh God, we love you, so save us and help us. Hosanna was a cry from the heart for the Lord to deliver us, to save us. And they're announcing that for Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes, now, now, now look, in the name of the Lord. What name does Jesus come in? Come on, anybody. The name of the Lord. And I think for us, sometimes we get too familiar with lordship language. But for Jesus to come in the name of the Lord was very significant. What name, Jesus, are you entering into? What name are you carrying? What name is on the back of Jesus' jersey? The Lord. Which for us, we go, eh, that's all right. But for the people in that moment, and what that should do for us is that should make us pause and say, holy are you, God. Holy is your name. With everything I got, my heart will sing. Right? The fact that Jesus comes in the name of the Lord. So the Lord translates to the Hebrew name Yahweh, which Yahweh is such a holy name and pronouncement that in Hebrew culture, you were not allowed to even say the name Yahweh. It was too holy of a name. I remember I had a, a, a seminary professor that when he would write the Lord Yahweh in Hebrew, he would just write Y and then kind of a couple dash. I, I can't write the name. Such a holy name. Name that even somebody who was just with us earlier in the nine o'clock service shared a testimony about how she was at a dinner and she said, Yahweh at a dinner referring to Christ, the Lord. And 
Somebody left. A, a, a Jewish person who felt insulted by that phrase that I, I can't, was taken back by it. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Because Jesus in his redemptive power, right, he attributes the name Yahweh to himself. That Jesus comes in that name and says, I am the Yahweh. Before Abraham was, I am. The word, the, nobody can say the I am, right? But Jesus says, I can say that. In the name of the Lord. So I want us to have a holy reverence and not just do a drive-by Palm Sunday and be like, oh, Palm Sunday, that was dope, cool. Let's get to the resurrection. No, no, this is a moment, church. We're there, we're in the crowd. We're seeing him, we're seeing the champion on the donkey and we're saying, that's the king, that's the Messiah, that's the Yahweh. Whoa, slow down, big deal. And I want to encourage you because I'm trying to, based off, based off these three points, King, Messiah, Lord, I want us to try to put ourselves underneath those. How does, how does the information lead us to transformation? It's when you say, I'm going to worship Jesus as king. I'm going to receive Jesus as Messiah. And I'm going to submit myself to Jesus as Lord. I, I'm going to not be the Lord of my own life anymore. I'm going to... Because Jesus is Lord whether you make him Lord or not. Jesus' lordship is not dependent on what you do. But for you, it would be wise for you to not be the Lord of your life. That would be foolish. But to say, I have made, I've surrendered. Listen to that language. I surrendered myself to Jesus as the Lord of my life. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary who took the gospel to unreached people groups, Hudson Taylor once said it like this. He said, Christ is either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. To say Jesus today, because sometimes I think if we're not careful, we got the Jesus is my homeboy mentality. And I'm not like super against Jesus as homeboy, but like don't stop there. Friend, he is so much more than homeboy. He is so much more than sweet little baby Jesus in the cradle. He is so much more than just a man. He is so much more. He is the Lord. He's the king of kings. He's the big K king to the little K kings. Right? You can put your trust in him today and feel confident. You know, for me, I, I, the sermon is not about me. I'm just going to just say this just practically for me. I don't get too worried about the political stuff. Not saying that we shouldn't have conviction. Not saying that we shouldn't Vote, not saying that we shouldn't be informed on stuff that's going on, but be careful when you start to get too worried because you have a king. You have a Lord. He's never had a minute where he was not in control. Jesus is not impressed with the lowercase k kings. Don't get too worried. He is big, he is good, he's God. So if you find yourself too consumed, turn off the news, delete your social media apps, and get back in here and remind yourself of who this king is. He's got it together. Amen? We're, we're, come on, tell the person next to you, say, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right.
I'm telling you, King Herod was a lot worse. King Herod and Herod's son and his son's son and his dad, the Herod lineage and, and Nero who would come, like these were some jacked up individuals. And yet Peter is writing to the church in 1 Peter and he's saying, don't put your hope in kings. Pray for him. But we have a king. And he's eternal. And he's good. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm always very choosy. I, if you're looking for a church to talk about politics, this isn't the one for you, right? Um, it's just not our concern. We're not against things like that. But... You're not going to get swayed either way here. We're going to sway you toward the king, who's even bigger. He's big. And so I just want to encourage you to lean in and, and identify these, these three. As I, as I get ready to close, I just want to read one more passage of Scripture that, that helps, us, helps us understand the lordship of Jesus. That's really helped me. It's in Philippians chapter 2. In, in the book of Philippians, you'll find the Apostle Paul writing to a church that he planted in the city of Philippi. And in Philippians 2, Paul writes these words to the church, and, and it's really helpful because he clarifies some things. Maybe you've heard these verses before. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Who's him? Hey, when you're at church and you get a question and you don't know the answer, you're always pretty safe if you go with Jesus. <laughs> like, 8 out of 10, most likely... And either way, you know, it, it was still a good answer nonetheless. Therefore, God is highly exalted. Say it with me. Him. him. Jesus. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Now, what I want to say right there is that for the, I, I would even say for the majority of my Christian life, I had I'd always thought that that was referring to Jesus that he bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And that's named Jesus, but I realize that's not what the author's talking about. In fact, the name Jesus was actually more common than people realized. Um, Yahshua, some would, some would potentially link Jesus, Yahshua, to the name Joshua is very similar, right? I realized Paul wasn't referring to the name of Jesus that's above every name. Keep reading. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Keep, stay with me. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's fascinating, right? And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is, say it with me. Lord. That's the name. Can I just say, this name is fairly common. This name is not. This is the name that is above every name. Nobody can say, I'm the Lord. Only one person has the ability and the boldness. And, like, that is a dangerous statement <laughs> to confess that Jesus Christ is, there's the name that's above every name, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus says one day every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen. That is a name that is big. So if you have not done that, if you have not invite, invited Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior and your King today, I want to invite you to do that.
be the best decision you can make. Our worship team's going to get ready to close us out. And, and here's the good news. Come on, today's a great day. You know why? Because we're going to introduce you to a new song that we wrote. So, come on, Vashon, man. I'm grateful for us to un- unleash and reveal this new song. We, Vashon and I started dreaming. What would be a song for Palm Sunday? And we just started to write down lyrics, and God gave us a song and gave Vashon a melody that was for Palm Sunday. We're going to release this song uh, to you today, and then you'll be able to get it this week on Spotify and iTunes and whatnot. But we wanted to lean into Palm Sunday and not move too quick because of what is revealed here. Today, I want to invite you now to pray with me. If you don't know him as Lord and King and Savior, you can do that today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. And we pray right now, if there's anybody in this room or if there's anybody engaging online, I pray that today they would submit themselves to your Lordship. They would receive you as Savior and King. Jesus, you died for our sins. You rose from the grave. And God, maybe there would be somebody today that needs to repent and follow you. I want to invite you to do that now. Just say, just pray with me if that's your, that's your heart. Just pray with me out loud. Just say, Lord, I'm ready. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I need you to be my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. I believe you're seated at the right hand of God. I believe. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I turn from my sins. I'm ready to follow you. I love you, Lord. And I trust you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.